Awesome. Thank you, uh, praise team, for leading us this morning in a worship of our great, great Savior. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5, and we uh, are on week 8, and week 8 and, uh, of our series in 1 Peter, and we are going to end that series today. And uh, so, as I told you last week, this would be a great time as you're turning maybe digitally in your scriptures, or maybe you are on your uh, Bible, take a moment, if you haven't already, to check in to Hallmark and to uh, share the, the live feed. Uh, we had someone that last week uh, doesn't go to this church, but is, was traveling and not able to be in any church, and they were left a note of appreciation for someone who shared the Facebook feed that they could watch uh, the message. And so, um, if you're new with us today, I want to say welcome and thank you for being here this morning. My name is John. I am blessed to be the pastor here at Hallmark. And we're honored that you're here today. And we are wrapping up our series in First Peter. And uh, in this uh, eight-week series, we have uh, walked through um, really what Peter's intention of Peter writing the letter was. And if you remember, he wrote the letter to not only... Uh, Jewish and Gentile believers, but they were scattered, and they were scattered because they were under the authority of Nero, and Nero was a bad dude, and he was trying to have all the Christians persecuted and killed, and in fact, later, after Peter wrote this letter, he would uh, be killed for his faith and for following Jesus, and so this is a letter of encouragement. And so on, on your bulletin this morning, uh, as has been there every week of this series, right at the very top, it has goals that really Peter had in writing this letter. You're going to see this theme uh, kind of concluded uh, this morning in 1 Peter chapter 5. But here was the goals, to inform believers of their living hope, to exhort believers to trust God in difficulties, and challenge believers to endure through faith. And so as we get to the last week in chapter 5, it seems to me like Peter is kind of somewhat rehearsing what he's already said and reminding them. And, and so if you remember what we just mentioned, the context is believers who are persecuted, and he's trying to encourage them. He's trying to encourage them to endure through faith and have hope and this living hope of God. And so he kind of, it seems like, rehearses or reminds them of what the letter has already said, like a conclusion to this letter. And so let's, let's start reading. We're not going to read the entire chapter, but 1 Peter chapter number 5. We're going to begin in verse number 5. Likewise, you younger, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace uh, to the humble. And let me just pause for a moment as it says uh, younger and elder there. I just want to mention for those of you who missed uh, the men's uh, wise guys, meals with mentor, that was this Friday. You missed a great opportunity to, to hear some wise men. And we got to just sit and listen to some men. Um, I think I saw uh, Pastor Dave had, had put a Facebook post that there was, uh, out of these four guys, 320 years of experience, all right? And uh, so I did not put that. Pastor Dave put that, all right? I may have shared it. It was great information, but... Uh, this isn't specifically talking, uh, most scholars would say that this text is not necessarily saying 
uh, submit if you're younger to an older person. Now, we, we understand that's probably wise and we can learn from an older person, but it's really the understanding is more submitting to leadership. Uh, those who are in authority over you, uh, and so it just uses these words younger and elder, but it's talking about authority and, and leadership. And he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse number six, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Think of the value that would have been that one verse to someone who was living in isolation, persecuted for their faith. You're not alone. You're not alone. Doesn't that speak into your life that whatever you're facing today, can I just tell you you're not alone? God loves you. God knows. God cares. And there's other people in this church who love you and who care. And so just this encouragement, verse 10. Let's read that again. Uh, Excuse me, did we read that? No, yeah, verse 10. I was right the first time. I should trust myself. But may the God of all grace, who called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. And all God's people said? Amen, Amen, right? And so let's walk through this text. I think there's three things. Again, it almost, to me, and this is the way I took it, it just seems like Peter's like, before I close this letter, let me remind you of a few things. As, as you are persecuted, as you have trials, as life is difficult, uh, following Christ, listen, if, if someone tells you that the moment you give your life to Christ, all your problems go away, they're not telling you the truth, okay? That's not what the Bible says. In fact, it's the exact opposite of that. That as soon as you give your life to Christ, what, what Peter is saying here is you now have an adversary, an enemy, Satan. And it describes him pretty uh, specifically, doesn't it? He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may what? To mess up or trip up. Is that what it says? He doesn't want to just make you stumble, does he? He wants to destroy you. He wants to devour you. And so we have an enemy. And so life is difficult and life is filled with trials. And so Peter is wanting to remind them, how can I live for Christ How can I be a follower of Christ even when life is difficult, even when Satan is attacking me, even when the world seems to be just crashing all around me? How can I continue to follow Christ? The first example or first, I guess, admission he gives us, number one, is to be humble. To be humble. Humility doesn't seem to come real natural to most people, does it? I remember as a kid, I don't, I don't remember where, how many of you, um, your, your childhood memories are like just snapshots here and there, right? And how many of you have like an eight-reel plane in your head all the way through, right? Like my wife, I can say, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember where I was, where I was or what I was doing. I was between the ages of 10 and 30, you know, I don't know. Uh, and, and my wife can say, well, I was nine years old. It was on a Tuesday. It was September 5th. I was wearing a black polka dot dress, and I'm like, 
that's not how my life is. So I have this, like, memory, and, and because of the memory, it has to be in a specific area. My guess is it was, like, in Nashville, Tennessee, or Branson, Missouri. It was, like, this country western theme, right? And the song was, it's hard to be humble. How many of you know it? When you're perfect in every way. And that's stuck in my head for whatever reason. I identified with that song. Is that a real song or is that just a weird memory I have? Is that a real song? Who sang the song? Michael Davis. I'm proving my ignorance. Who do I look like today? All right. If, if I knew one of his songs, I'd sing it for you, but I don't. All right. I don't, this was not intended. We're, we're having snapshots now of my humility. We've talked about in 1 Peter chapter 2, it talked about submission to authority, to the law. Then it talked about a submission as employees to employers. Then it talked about submission to wives, to husbands. And now we're talking about submission within the church to one another. It said to elders, to, to uh, the younger, to the elder, speaking of authority and leadership. But then what did it say? Look at verse 5 again. Be submissive to one another. And that's just, that's just really good advice in any relationship, right? You can't always have it your way. You just can't. It's, if, if you have to have your way all the time, you probably don't have very many friends. And if you don't have very many friends, it's probably because you have to have it your way all the time. Some great advice. Proverbs says in order to have friends, you must show yourself what? Friendly. And friendliness means at some point I'm going to have to submit. I'm going to have to surrender and let Jimmy have his way. As much as it kills me to let Jimmy have his way. Submit to one another. But submission takes what? It's going to take humility, isn't it? It says submitting to one another, clothed in that word that we don't like to say and we don't like to live. Clothed in humility. To humble ourselves. Who is our greatest example of humility? Jesus is, didn't he? Philippians chapter 2. Turn with me to Philippians chapter number 2. Verse number one, therefore, if there is any consolation of Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love for one another, of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others as better than themselves. Hmm. That's not easy. That takes humility. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. Look at it again, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind, this attitude be in you, which is also in who? Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man, he what? humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. And when he humbled himself, what did God then do? 
Verse 9, Philippians 2. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those of earth, and those under the earth, that every, t- every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord. That Jesus Christ is who? Lord. And when I confess and tell people Jesus Christ is Lord, who gets the glory for that? To the glory of God the Father, Philippians 2, verse 11. So our example is Jesus. He gave us the example in the upper room, and he washed the disciples' feet. He humbled himself, and he served. It's interesting, though. I, I, look, go back to your text, 1 Peter chapter 5. So verse 5, chapter 5, verse 5. Submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. For God resists who? Who does God resist? The proud. But he gives grace to the humble. If we, if we just stop there this morning... Could we take away this morning that it probably would be wise to do what? Humble ourselves, to be humble. So then he goes on after he's explained this. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Then he says, verse number 6, Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And so in my humbling myself to you in submission, who am I really humbling myself to? God. I submit to God, and, and, and God is telling me to serve and to love others as he has served and loved me. Humility. Here's an often point I think that we, we, we skip over. Look at verse number 7. So in the context, Peter has said, submit and humble yourself. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. In other words, he's going to help those who humble themselves, right? Do you, do you see grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. There is saving grace. I'm saved by grace through faith, Ephesians tells me. But there's also what we would understand to be sustaining grace, that God gives me the ability to get through things, and God gives me the ability to overcome things, and God gives me the grace that is sufficient to meet every need that comes my way. Aren't you thankful for the sustaining grace of God in your life? And so when we think about this, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And it rolls right into this verse that all of us have probably memorized, but probably didn't know or even think about the context. Casting all your cares upon him. Why? He cares for you. Now, I had this question this week thinking through this, and I'm not sure if I have the answer, so I'm just going to give you the question. So is, is worry, think about this with me, is worry connected or tied to pride? So maybe I do know the answer. Is it take humility for me to admit that I'm not in control? So if I am overwhelmed with worry... What have I not done? Not humbled myself before God. Remember Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, we, we read that last week. 
we paraphrased verse 6, Philippians 4, verse 6b. Uh, worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And verse 7 gives us the result of worrying about nothing and praying about everything. What is it? Peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts. So if I'm going to have the peace of God in my life, I'm going to have to humble myself. I am not in control. Could you say that with me this morning? I am not in control. Worry, then, is a byproduct of my own pride. And I'm not going to get the peace of God in my life until I humble myself and say, God, I need you. God, I need your grace so I can submit, so I can humble myself. Number two, so we want to be humble, clothed in humility. Number two is to be watchful. Verse 8, let's read verse 8 and 9 again. Be sober, okay, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in faith, knowing that the same, the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Satan is out to destroy you, isn't he? And there's three little things on your outline uh, that, that are, I think really good for you to remember on your bulletin. Satan, we should respect him because he's very what? Dangerous. He's powerful, isn't he? Is, is Satan more powerful than God? No. But is he powerful? Yes. Is he more powerful than Jesus? Is he more powerful than the Holy Spirit? Where does the Holy Spirit dwell? What does the Scripture say? Greater is he that is in, in me or in you than he that is in the world. And who's the he that's in the world? The Satan. But Satan's dangerous, isn't he? Can you defeat Satan on your own? Can you defeat Satan empowered by the Holy Spirit in you? Yes. The problem is, most of the time, we have not humbled ourselves and we're in our own strength. And I can take care of it. I can, you know, what, what is the old saying? Just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That would have worked so much better if I'd have wore boots today, but I didn't. But, but our pride keeps us from humbling ourselves, acknowledging I need Jesus. But we've got to be watchful because Satan is dangerous. The next word is, is not only respect him, but recognize him. One of the words that describes Satan is that he is, a, he is the deceiver. He's a liar. And, and he wants to accuse the brethren. And, and I think the way this works out a lot of times in our life is that Satan tricks us into believing lies. Most of the lies I think Satan tells us are about our own self. You're not good enough. You don't measure up. You can't do it. And when you have those, those thoughts of self-doubt, when you have those thoughts of isolation, I'm all alone, do you know who is deceiving you? Satan himself. Recognize him. Recognize those thoughts. Corinthians says, take captive every thought to the glory of God. 
Satan, not today, right? Can you say that? Not today, Satan. Can you say that? Not today. Get away. In the name of Jesus, get away. Recognize him. And the next one is resist him. In the power of Jesus, we can resist Satan, can't we? We can resist his attacks. We can overcome his attacks. Uh, turn just a few verses over, Ephesians, a few uh, pages over, Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians 6, verse number 10. Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and put on the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes, the attacks of the devil. Again, the implication Paul is saying here is that Satan is going to attack you. And so knowing, understanding, acknowledging, recognizing, being watchful, being sober, your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. What should I do? I should prepare myself. How many of you enjoyed some uh, football yesterday? How many of your team won yesterday? How many of your team you're lost and you're still here today, all right? Repenting of your sins from yesterday, right? Most, it was interesting, I, uh, I'm trying to remember what game it was. I watched a few pieces of all these different games yesterday. Uh, the Michigan game, uh, and Michigan played some school, I don't know. And uh, they were talking about uh, the preparation that went in. So the, I think it was Michigan, if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong, but this is my understanding, my memory. Um, the, the Michigan coach was a new defensive coordinator, um, and of course, uh, or excuse me, Notre Dame coach was a new defensive coordinator, didn't have uh, any film to watch from Michigan because they got a new quarterback who had transferred in from Ole Miss. Um, they were expecting a whole different offensive scheme from what the previous year was based solely for this new quarterback. And so he had no film to watch of this quarterback in Michigan uniform playing the offense that they're about to play. And if you know much about football, there's hours and hours and hours and hours of film study that goes into every game. Preparation. This defense is preparing for this offense to counteract every scheme that this offense may throw at them. And he has, he has no past record of how he's going to do that. So it says he watched. So the, the, quarter, the, the coach for Michigan used to coach who did he used to coach? Colin Kaepernick, right? And so he, similar style quarterback, so he watched games where they coached Colin Kaepernick and his NFL offense, and then they watched this NFL team because their new offensive coordinator used to coach it. I mean, all these things. So he's watching all these other teams trying to prepare for this one football game. And I think of all this preparation to go in the counterattack, the offense attack of this team, and doesn't compare to the importance that we face every day battling Satan. And I think that most of us as Christians are completely unprepared to face Satan. Most of us probably need to humble ourselves. And we need to be a little more watchful. 
And that's what Paul is saying here in Ephesians. We do not wrestle, verse 12, I didn't finish, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood and against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of weakness in heavenly places. We, we fight an enemy who is real. We fight an enemy who is Satan, a deceiver. Therefore, because we're in a battle, because the Christian life is difficult, because Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, therefore, verse 13, take up the armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. And the question is, as believers, are we doing all we can to stand against the attack of Satan? And I would say probably not. Probably not. The Christian life is hard. The enemy is real. And we need to be prepared. We need to prepare ourselves spiritually for battle every single day. And if you are not spending time in God's word every single day, can I just be real honest with you? You're not prepared for battle. You're just not. You're not as prepared as you could be. We'll put it that way. Why not be as prepared as I could be to enter into battle? Be watchful. Number three, be hopeful. This was one of the themes of the book, right? Be hopeful. Look at verse number 10. But may the God of all grace, let's just pause there for a moment. The God of all grace. Aren't you thankful God is a God of grace? A few weeks ago we talked about that, right? God's not fair with us, and I'm so thankful God is not fair. Grace and mercy. May the God of all grace, again we're in 1 Peter 5 verse 10, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After you've suffered a while, wish we could block that out, but he will perfect perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look at verse 10 again. This is our hope. May the God of all grace, he's writing to believers who called us to his eternal what? Glory. We, as believers, will spend eternity in a place called heaven. The presence of God, our creator. Can you say amen to that? That is the hope that we live for, isn't it? That's the hope that he talked about. Turn a few pages over. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, so we've just talked about grace, and now he's entering this word of mercy, has begotten us again to a what? A living hope. Through what? The resurrection of Jesus. Verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for who? You. You, the believer. You, the follower of Jesus Christ. Our hope is that when we leave this earth, those of us who die in Christ, who've surrendered our life to Jesus Christ, who've confessed him before man, we will enter into the very presence of God. Corinthians says, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Doesn't that give you hope? This, this life, the trials of this life, they're temporary. 
the eternal reward we get for being a follower of Jesus Christ is it's eternal. Hope. I want to humble myself. I want to be watchful. And I will be hopeful. Let me just give you a, a warning, though. Peter's writing this to a specific group of people. It is people who are followers of Jesus Christ. It's people who, in, in Acts, reference them as the way. They were the group called the way. Okay, Why were they called the way? Because Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus, except through me, Jesus said. And so because they were followers of Jesus, who was the way to God, they were persecuted. And Peter is writing about this living, eternal, incorruptible hope that we have in Jesus Christ that when we leave this earth, even though there's persecution, even though it's difficult, even though there's trials, that even through all that, if we've given our life to Jesus Christ, we're going to receive an eternal reward in heaven. You know what we're going to do for all eternity in heaven? What we just did this morning. Great are you, Lord. But hold on. The hope and this promise and this letter is written to people who have given their life to Jesus Christ. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, the only hope you have is what's here on earth. That life is going to go okay. Everybody's going to like me. My kids are going to say yes, sir, and no, sir. Teach your kids to say yes, sir, and no, sir, okay? That sounds like an old person, but uh, I just believe that, all right? In fact, people usually tell me not to say yes, ma'am, and no, sir, to them. Like, I can't stop saying it. My dad used to teach me <laughs> to say that. I'm scared of consequences. They're watching, right? Listen, if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, there is no hope for you. You will spend an eternity in a place called hell, and you don't want to be there. And I don't want you to be there. And God doesn't want you to be there. The scripture says he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. That's the hope. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, can I just encourage you this morning? It's very simple. The Bible says that all of us have sinned, and because of our sin, the wages of sin is death, which means eternal separation from God, my creator. But the gift of God is eternal life, the hope, it's Jesus. How do I get that? For by grace you are saved through faith. Today, if you would call out, Romans 10, 13, whoever calls the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can have the hope of heaven. You can have the hope of eternal life. You can have the power of God right here in your life so that you can withstand the attacks of Satan. It's very simple if you've never done it. You just cry out to God. 
you admit, God, I'm a sinner. You, you can do it right now, right here in this room. God, I'm a sinner. I believe that you sent Jesus to die in my place because of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. I place my faith in Jesus for my salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Would you close your eyes for a moment? This morning, if you are a believer, this letter gives us hope. We have a living hope that we will see Christ in in eternity and we will live there forever and we will praise and we will worship him and we will sing songs like this, Great Are You, Lord. It says we're going to sing a new song, so I don't know if it's going to be that song, but we're going to get to worship the Lord and Savior forever. Are you excited about seeing God your Savior? Are you excited about seeing Jesus one day in And maybe the Lord has impressed on your heart this morning that you need to humble yourself. You need to be a little more watchful. And you need to prepare yourself for the battle. Now I'd ask you this morning, we're going to stand in a moment. We're going to continue worship through song and through prayer. But maybe maybe this morning God has said, "You, you you need to be more prepared. You need to humble yourself. You need to quit carrying the load. You need to cast your care, your worry, your anxiety on Christ because he cares for you. And you need to swallow your pride. And and maybe that pride this morning is is that you need to walk forward and and talk to someone and pray. And if you'd like to pray with someone this morning in a moment, when we stand, there's going to be people here at the front. They're going to be facing you. They would love to pray with you. If you want to come forward this morning and just pray by yourself and, and surrender to God, then you're more than welcome to do that. But I want to ask real quick this morning, is there anyone here that would say, John, just a moment ago, when you walked us through that prayer, I gave my life to Jesus. I surrendered my life to him. And if you'd like to admit that this morning, I would love to pray for you. If you did that this morning, would you just put your hand up right now? Just put it up, put it up high. Just put your hand up. Leave it up for a moment. Give me a second to look across the audience. Anyone this morning, just put your hand up. Thank you. Just put it up. I'm not going to call you out. Just put your hand up right now. I, I prayed that prayer. You can put your hands down. Now this morning, would anyone say, John? I didn't pray that prayer, but I should have. I need to give my life to Jesus. I've never given my life to Christ, and and I need to do that. Would, Would you pray for me? If that's you this morning, would you also, just right now, put your hand up. Just put your hand up right where you're at. I'm not gonna call you out. Just put your hand up for a moment. John, I, I need to give my life to Christ today. Would you pray for me? Just put your hand up right now. For those of you this morning that, that need to make that decision, I'm going to tell you the same thing I already said. When, when we stand in a moment, there's going to be a few of us standing here. We're going to be facing you. If you'd like to give your life to Christ and you'd like to know how to do that, we would love to get the Bible out and show you how you can know you belong to Jesus. 
and just walk forward and, and say, I want to give my life to Jesus today. God, we thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. We thank you, Lord, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we're thankful that, Lord, if we humble ourselves, we can cast our worries and our fears and our anxieties upon you, knowing that you care for us. Lord, I pray right now in this moment, if there's someone here this morning that has not given their life to you, that you would impress upon their heart before they leave today, either to walk forward here in a moment, to grab a card out of the pew and fill it out, or to talk to somebody on their way out this morning. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to continue in worship. This is a time for you to respond. Maybe it's to humble yourself and to come forward and pray. It's also a time for us just to sing together and worship the Lord as we worship this morning.